truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining us here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number to the Blaze. 888-900-3393. That's right. We're, we're making 900 numbers a thing again. Well, I mean, after the toll-free 888. We're bringing sexy back here on the Blaze. That's how we roll around uh, here. I didn't get, get that memo. You didn't? Well, I mean... No. We're all about self-evident truths here on the blaze. I mean, if if you look at the three individual men who are occupying the current set, this is if, true. If there was ever a show, I mean, just this is a self-evident truth. If there was ever a show to bring sexy back, this wouldn't be the one. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook. Aaron's over there, like, hey, I I still have some potential. We agree. You I wasn't have, gonna say anything out loud. Yeah, you have some some potential. We agree with that. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We've got a jam-packed Tuesday here for you. Uh, Coming up at the bottom of the hour, it's Pop Culture Tuesday. We look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And Unplanned, which I believe is the most important movie of this year, is now out on demand. You can get it on demand or DVD, every format streaming uh, availability that you could imagine. We're going to talk to Carrie Solomon and Chuck Consulman. They are the masterminds, the filmmakers behind uh, this tale. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, they're going to join us live here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. And we're going to tell you how you can get your DVD version uh, or your streaming version of the film, uh, how you can get it at a discounted price through us as well. That's coming up here at the bottom uh, of this hour. Next hour, we've got a two-part fake news or not. Because we have presidential candidates now telling such colossal whoppers that uh, on, on something that is toxic, radioactive, and divisive, and I think deserves its own individual conversation. Aside from the clips, don't worry, Todd and Aaron, you will you'll get to play judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, for segments of uh, the what's left of America media coming up in the next hour. You'll get your turn as well. That's why we've got some double-barreled action of fake news or not coming your way. But before we get to any of that, first, Aaron has to give us the rundown about what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Hong Kong. It's been weeks now that the citizens of Hong Kong have been protesting en masse against the Chinese government's attempts to exert more control over the special territory. The protests stemmed from a bill that would have made it possible to extradite people from Hong Kong to China, where the communists control the courts. Of course, you can see the problem with that. This weekend, protesters staged a sit-in at Hong Kong's 1,100-flight-per-day airport, causing a total shutdown of commercial air traffic out of the city. These protesters took to the streets waving American flags and singing the U.S. national anthem. Now the Chinese military is reportedly assembling and fears are arising of a bloody conflict on an even greater scale than what we've seen so far. The bottom line is the people of Hong Kong are increasingly fearful of Chinese encroachment on their territory and are not taking it lying down. 
Meanwhile, in America, a video surfaced last night of CNN personality Chris Cuomo being called Fredo by some random person in New York City. You're much Fredo is from the Godfather. He was that weak brother. Isn't that your And they use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Are you Italian? It's a insult to your people. It's an insult to your people. It's like the N-word for us. Is that that a cool thing? Donald Trump says, I thought Chris was Fredo also. The truth hurts. Totally lost it. Low rating CNN. Kamala Harris visited a nursing home in Iowa where she was called out by an elderly lady for what she wants to do with health care. Can I ask you a question? Yes, of course. I understand that you are advocating health care for everyone. Yes, ma'am. Please do pay for it. Well, we're going to pay for it because right now, let me tell you something, we're all paying for health care for everyone, and it's in an emergency room. Okay. We don't want to get it Okay, I don't intend to mess you Actress, comedian, and social justice warrior Sarah Silverman recently revealed that she lost a movie role because of an old comedy sketch she did wearing blackface. Speaking of unfunny comedians, Ashley Barnhill tweeted recently, Men against abortion are just jealous because they'll never know how good it feels to kill a baby. And now learning Spanish today. Today's phrase is, men can have babies too, Ashley. Los hombres también pueden tener bebés, Ashley. And now resetting something from yesterday's montage because Steve told me to. Elizabeth Warren over the weekend repeated a lie that Michael Brown was murdered. That was debunked a long time ago by the Obama Justice Department. Checking in on MSNBC. You don't communicate it to them. You beat them. You beat them. They are not a majority of this country. The majority of white people in this country are not a majority of the country. And And all the people who are not fooled by this need to come together, go to the polls, go to the protests, do whatever you have to do. You do not negotiate with these people. You destroy them. And and by the way, uh, the black man said beat them, meaning in a poll, in in an election. A Missouri man walked into a Walmart recently with a loaded rifle and handgun while wearing body armor. He told police he was simply testing whether the store would honor his Second Amendment rights. He may not be charged with a crime. And finally, Steve Dace in a cartoon. Welcome to the Echo Chamber. I'm your host, Dr. Mack. In today's news, the federal government has passed a law stating no individual state can prohibit trans people from using whichever potty they choose. How do you feel about this, Megan? Well, Mack, I take the left-leading position on this issue. Brave. Brave. So brave. Brave. And you? Oh, I take the brave position as well, yeah. Brave. Brave. Well, um, I, I personally don't believe we need a federal law telling states where people can go potty. I am outraged! No, Mac, you're angry. I am outraged. And you know what else? Not only do I disagree that trans bathrooms are a federal issue, 
I don't even know if I agree with the left on trans issues in general. Yeah. 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 Are you serious? That that has made me so angry. I am so I am so mad. You know you need to do more than just sound outraged to make a point, right? I am so angry right now! So it's obvious to anyone watching that you're engaging in phony outrage for the purpose of virtue signaling, as well as creating interesting political theater. How dare you! It's true, honestly. The second you know you're being watched, you switch on the theatrics. I mean, can any of you even attempt to make a single argument against any of what I'm saying without resorting to melodrama? And that's what happened while we were away. Please clap. That, folks, is the... uh, I'll show myself out. That's the pinnacle of my career, uh, being depicted as a cartoon. And you were feeling kind of hopeless yesterday, brother. Look, I mean, ask and seek and you shall find. Indeed. Well, if anything, I... Only maybe confirms it might be time to walk away. Like that, that we've hit George Costanza's high note. I mean, I don't, how do you how do you top being your own cartoon? How do you how do you top that? Well, you're a cartoon guy, so yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean that's that's kind of the pinnacle for me. I mean, we were throwing a cape on me. Yeah. I, when they came back after that clip, this might have been an empty chair. I might have just said, I, "I did my tour of duty. We're done." I left the tall building in a single bound. Man, we're good to go. Aaron's montage today brought to you by realestateagentsitrust.com, which was a company started because there's so much frustration when it comes to buying or selling a home because it's not an automatic that you're going to find a real estate agent that you can trust. And if you're looking for an agent that you can trust, you can take advantage of this boom market right now. You're looking for an agent that has a proven record, a uh, track record of success that you can verify. You're looking for somebody who's got a plan other than let me go print off the latest algorithm at the office or let's do another open house this weekend. And you're looking for somebody who like returns calls and is courteous. It's a very relational process between you and your agent. That means a rapport is key to that relationship being successful. If you want to find yourself an agent that checks all three of those boxes, then you want to right now go click on realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the website. That's where you go to find the agent that you can trust, an agent worthy of having you for a client. realestateagentsitrust.com. So let's get to what's in the montage. And I want to touch a little bit on, on many of these things. Let's just start at the top with what's going on in Hong Kong. And I, I don't understand, and, and I've asked people who know more about this than me, and they can't answer questions. You know, I, so, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to oversimplify things, but when we've had uprisings in Iran, and you're trying to leverage them either to get a better n- a nuclear deal with them, or um, you're trying to leverage the Khomeini's maybe out of power altogether, I don't know why we haven't, as a nation, why we haven't lent our voice to support those willing to take on uh, the Khomeini's and the Ayatollahs, but I repeat myself, in the streets of Tehran. I, I've, I've talked about that when we've had these uprisings the last couple of years. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, here's, here's what doesn't make any sense to me either. And if you guys can think of an angle to this, by all means, enlighten me. We have a president that is in a full-fledged trade war with China. Last week, we officially named them a currency manipulator. I don't think we have done that uh, in the global market since like I read the seventies or something was the last time we did that. It, it, it maybe hadn't been that long, but it has been a while. 
since we have labeled somebody a currency manipulator as a global competitor. We're in a full-fledged trade war with them. They're canceling all of their uh, agri-imports from the U.S. as we speak, and they're, what, the fourth largest agri-importer of U.S. uh, agricultural goods, I believe. Aaron, correct? Okay. You know, any kind of a trade war is a game of leverage, right? Yeah. You're in, you're, well, it can be a game of stupidity, but you're, you're claiming you're doing this to get leverage, right? That's the claim. That's the intent, right? To, get, to leverage yourself a better deal, or a, a better exchange of goods than you had prior, correct? Yeah. Right. I, you know, I, I think a bunch of, you know, folks in the streets of Hong Kong waving American flags and singing the national anthem, demanding due process. I don't know. I might, I might, I might support them. I might, I might say something. You know, I don't... Help me to understand if you're trying to leverage the Shycoms. And you, and you have to understand, if you're going to get into a trade war with them, you're dealing with a regime that doesn't have electoral sensitivities the way that you do as a U.S. president in either party. Right, you go back to the line Obama once gave, what was that guy's name that was Putin's puppet back in the day, Medvedev or whatever that guy's name was, and he said, hey, just get me past this next re-election and I can do whatever I want. Remember that clip yeah. from a few years ago? So it, no matter what party you're in, you get there's a certain amount of electoral sensitivities you have to deal with in our form of government. The Shycoms don't. You know, they just, they, they, they rule with an iron fist and they hand their people cell phones and, and Sony televisions and the latest, and they get the video games before we do. And, and they seem to be content with getting run over. Uh, the people of Hong Kong though, who prior to 1999, I think is when the British turned it over. So 20 years ago, uh, they are used to living as a free and independent state. And now being told that they have to live under the lack of due process of the Shycom government, they aren't having it. Well, you're looking for pressure points. You're looking for outliers, it would seem to me, to tip the scales. Because politically, you're not evenly yoked here. You're, you're, you know, if, if this trade war continues and China decides, hey, we'll tank our economy for six months to get Trump out of office, they could do it. So when a, when a unique situation you didn't previously game plan that just so happens to serendipitously, if not providentially, fall right into your laps at a time you're trying to leverage them on the, in the public marketplace, why, particularly when the people that are, that, are, that are involved here are inviting you in? I mean, they're, they're more proud, the people of Hong Kong are more proud to wave the flag and sing the national anthem about you know, a certain segment of players in the National Football League. This would seem to me, this, is, I mean, this would look to me like a gift. Like, I mean, I, I, I couldn't, this is the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, I, I couldn't have applauded this. I couldn't have asked for this. I couldn't have made this happen if I'm Donald Trump, if I wanted to. So you can, can you guys show me, tell me, what am I missing? I don't want to be overly simplistic from Des Moines, Iowa. Why would we not needle this as much as we possibly could, ferment this as much as we possibly could at a time we're trying to leverage them in a, in a trade war? Why would we not do that? Do you know? Because it would take more than just being on Twitter and or he's distracted by other things on Twitter, perhaps, you know, you got a fence with Cuomo and others. So, I mean, it's just going to take a concerted effort 
beyond the kind that we regularly see from this administration. But you're right. And you're not, I mean, that's what I've been saying all along. This is the hard part about playing chicken is knowing when to flinch. This entire thing is classic Donald Trump. This is the game he was dying to play when he became president. Uh, so we're going to see if he's still got the energy three years into a presidency when it perhaps hasn't been all the fun in games that he thought it would. I mean, to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, by all means, why would I mean, why would you ever exert influence in a very controversial trade war when Chris Cuomo is making a clown of himself on Twitter? I, I don't understand why you would pass up the opportunity to dunk on Chris Cuomo um, when, um, you know, when that's available. Um, I, I just think that the, the so list you're of priorities play devil's here, advocate. Thank you. Uh, the, the yeah. list of the, you know, priorities, priorities, you know, I, and I think I realized this last week, I think I told you guys off this off the air. Now's a good time. I'll just share it on the air here. The year of no BS. There is a, there is a hypothesis that makes this, the way this president has behaved that, that makes everything make sense. That really, this is Republicans and Democrats, hashtag MAGA, rallies, um, you know, Trumpism. uh, This is all a proxy fight for an internal battle between Donald Trump and the media. That that's really all that this is. And that this presidency operates primarily. It's prime directive is just direct reactions and interactions with the media. So I guess if that's going to be the case, you know, you know, Lord grant me the, the serenity to accept the things by which I cannot change. If, if, if you realize that, 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 cause that makes that everything we've seen the last three years makes sense. You know, Trump and the media were buddies. These were all his friends. I shared a clip yesterday of Stephen Colbert welcoming Trump onto his show, standing ovation, talking about, this was a few years ago, how much everybody loves Donald Trump. It's been totally scrubbed off the CBS website and you can't get it on YouTube anymore. This is all really, everything you're watching every day is all a, is all a proxy fight for the real debate here. And the real debate is the media versus Trump and Trump versus the media. A group of folks, this is, you're, you're watching a bad, bad breakup divorce because they were, you know, he was, he was hanging out with the likes of uh, Jeffrey Zucker, who runs ES- CNN, long before he was given speeches at the NRA. And that's really all this is. And if you realize that, all of this now, all the pieces begin to fit into place. The randomness, all of it fits into place. The priority here is, is to win the battle against the media. And for the media to do the same. That's why CNN doesn't care about its ratings as they tank. MSNBC doesn't as they tank. Everything here is, this is, 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 is a group of elites having a public spat. So if you want to get Donald Trump's attention, you have to convince him that this will somehow uh, own libs. You know, uh, this will somehow uh, upset CNN and MSNBC. That like nobody watches unless they're, you know, in a bunker or held captive by a, a delay in an airport. Which brings me to the next topic I want to address. So I, I warned you a few months ago. Actually, this might have been several months ago, many moons ago. I'm never going along with this if we decide to take up this trend. And we started talking about this, I don't know, maybe it was a year ago. Was it Ted Cruz accosted at a restaurant, right? 
Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was, right? Uh, ditch, somebody showed up. Um, you know, this was this just happened again last a couple weeks ago, but this there was a spate of these. Either it was this winter or late last year. I mean, but it's it's been a while. Where leftists decided and, and made the round saying, hey, you're not safe when you go out in public. We're going to harass you. And even some of their politicians were saying, we're going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. You should do that. And I, I, I put a marker down then. I said, I'm never going along with this if, if the people representing us decide that we need, this is the tactic we pick up. I'm, in fact, not only will I not go along with it, I will oppose it. Turning every place you go in America into a war zone will finish off what's left of Americana much faster than the leftists could do with total cultural hegemony. When you toxify your own water table, when you urinate in your own water jug, you know, one of the number one rules of business, never crap where you live. And we're not, I'm not going along with this. I'm not. So I know what I'm supposed to do here today. I know what the conservative media playbook is. First of all, let me just get this out of the way. I think Chris Cuomo is a total douchebag. A no-talent hack. But I, you know, I just defined most of CNN's primetime lineup. So raise your hand if you did not know this. Except for the smart ass in the back. All right? Everybody else knew this. Everybody else. Including people who actually like agree with these people on some issues. They don't care for these folks and watch their shows either. Again, their highest rated program is Anderson Cooper. I believe he's like the 22nd rated show in cable news prime time. 22nd. 20, 22nd. So I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to laugh. You know, I'm supposed to tell you, well, you know, my ancestors came here from Italy and Sicily, which is true. And, you know, they never, we never thought Frodo was, a, was, a, was an ethnic slur. You know, this is just a double standard. Right? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do here today? Isn't that the playbook? It yeah. has been. That, that's in the, the last that's what I'm supposed hours. to do, right? I'm supposed to own the libs. Here's the thing. No. No. Leave people the hell alone when they're in public with their families. Leave people alone. There were two stories yesterday that I think perfectly illustrate the difference between letting people be hung from their own petards, choked on their own standard. And then when you cross the line and say, I'm going to be, I'm going to lower myself and, and become debased as you are to beat you. One thing is, fits perfectly within a biblical worldview. The other doesn't. There is nothing wrong whatsoever with watching and letting folks be consumed by their own idols. That's what happened to Sarah Silverman in, the, in what Aaron pointed out in his montage. I have no sympathy for her on any level whatsoever. None. Don't think you should either. I mean, I, don't, I think it's beyond ridiculous that she lost a movie role because of a, she appeared in blackface in the year 2007, but apparently she'd still be eligible to be the governor of Virginia if, if, if needed. But, but I also think it's completely uh, ridiculous that you would put Sarah Silverman in any movie role. She's an absolute no-talent hag. That if, it's a, if it wasn't for fully deploying and exploiting the wickedness of the worldview that hung her out to dry yesterday, no one would know who this woman is. 
she wouldn't be. She's not funny. She's just nasty. Nasty. Her thoughts are nasty. The things she says are nasty. See, when the Bible talks about profane speech, we like to interpret a lot of things in the, in the notions that we have culturally today, right? And how do you, how do you explain God says, don't use profane speech. And then he, I mean, people are called whores, tools, which is the, you know, that's what the term whitewash tomb meant in the first century. Sons of the devil, stiff necked, which is a kind of a fancy first century or ancient word for, you know, um, arrogant asses. I mean, how do you justify these? Well, because you're defining these terms by your current cultural trends, not by the way that they were actually worded and meant at the time. Profane speech doesn't mean, isn't, isn't George Carlin's seven deadly wor- or, d- or dirty words. It can include that, but it's not a vocabulary list. It's a spirit. Everything about you is nasty. There's no light in you. You have rejected the light. Everything about you is nasty. You can't help but soil everything you touch because you are profane. You've been given over to your own depraved mind. Did I not just describe Sarah Silverman's entire career? Absolutely. So therefore, I don't feel any sympathy. I feel no compulsion to, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I have to go out and defend her because I just think, I, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, doing this to people. I don't, care why why do i care if sarah silverman drowns by her if her own idol chokes her to death why i answer i don't it's not like she doesn't know the truth it's not like it hasn't been offered to her 10 million times she's a creature of the media i've done kicked the dust off my sandals and moved on so i i to me that's the that's the that's the law of nature and nature's god coming in in this case, the law of sowing and reaping. She is reaping what she sowed. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will always reap what he sows. But, th- but what's hap- what, 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 what was attempted with Chris Cuomo yesterday? And I just want you to know, the person who did this, I hate you for putting me in a position to see Chris Cuomo in any form of a sympathetic light. But it's one thing to let him choke. Like if some lefty had come up to Chris Cuomo while he was out and said, um, you know, I, I don't think you've acknowledged en- enough genders. And then that exchange had happened. Dude, I'd be laughing until I had to change undergarments right now. But that's not what happened, is it? What happened? Somebody wearing your jersey decided to roll up on him while he's out for dinner with his family in a public place. That's not a no. It's a... Lots of, all seven of the, of the dirty words, I can't say no. No, no, bleep, 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 bleep and bleep, no. We're not doing that. At least I'm not signing up for that. Because this is now where the law of nature and nature's God says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Would you want some ass clown rolling up on you like that when you're out with your family to dinner? Do you, do you want to live in a place where you can't ever turn it off? Where you've got, you've got to go, the culture war has to be on everywhere. Dinner, Target, Walmart, everywhere you go. Everywhere, 
Let's say that's what they're doing to us. So your response is, let's help them go ahead and, and remove every place worthy of enjoying in our spare time. Let's do that. See, folks, they don't care about destroying accommodations. They hate America. They don't care. They don't care if your response to their toxic sludge is, let me, let me throw my own out there. Because what's toxic sludge? Tox, what's toxic sludge times toxic sludge? Aaron, you're the last one to be in a classroom. What do you get? Owning the libs. Yeah, more and more toxic sludge. That's what we get. So no, that's that. There's no place for that. And and that's not anything as we any kind of a movement worthy of conserving American exceptionalism should say we're about that now. No, we're not. Why? Well, why are we so eager sometimes to lose the moral high ground? Why? Why? If you walked up to him like that in a public place, you're an idiot. And you're a loser. And you should have been spanked more as a child. Any thoughts, gentlemen? Um, we do it because we, we want to and it feels good. So in other words, uh, our, our morality, the way we supposedly are supposed to live out our ethics no different than those who are trying to defeat you know the thing chris cromo absolutely absolutely did get what he deserved but we're not we're not about that our, our code as you mentioned is above and beyond that and is not of this world so it, what is the point of fighting what you're against if you're just going to become like what you're against what's the point then the fbi's former head of cyber crimes was on 60 minutes a few months ago warning you about what we've been warning you about even longer here on this show it's called home title fraud it's one of the latest crime fads sweeping the country and there's a couple of reasons for this number one a lot of us are vulnerable because we own our own home and it's the most valuable investment most americans will ever have during the course of their lifetime and then the second reason is the new technology while it's far more accessible for you and i now to access our mortgages and our home titles online that also makes them more vulnerable to scammers who can hack into those databases forge their name onto your paperwork and then they start taking out loans against your equity using the home as collateral and a lot of times you won't even find out until the late payment notices start to arrive there have been folks that have seen uh, their homes go up for sale uh, and they've been given foreclosure notices because of this uh, your mortgage lender can't protect you not even your identity theft protection can but for pennies a day home title lock will put a virtual barrier around your home's title if they defect detect anything nefarious whatsoever they will spring to action to defend your most important investment and asset your own home and right now you can get 60 days of risk-free protection from home title lock two full months 60 days of risk-free protection at home title lock if you go to hometitlelock.com again get that 60 days of risk-free protection at hometitlelock.com well releasing today on dvd and on demand uh, for streaming uh, and various platforms is what I think the most important film of the year. We spent a lot of time talking about it uh, during this winter and spring before its theatrical release. And now it's available for home release. And the movie is called Unplanned. And if you want to get a chance to get your DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming copy of this movie at a, at a discounted price, 
You can use my name, Steve, as a promo code when you go to cunplanned.com. cunplanned.com. Or if you're one of the few people Facebook allows to see my Facebook page, there's a link right there pinned right at the top of my Facebook page. All right, so you can go to my Facebook page or cunplanned.com and use the promo code Steve and you'll get a discount uh, on whatever platform you choose to get and share this movie with everybody you know. I think it's the best pro-life movie that's ever been made. And you're also going to help us to raise money for a fantastic national pro-life organization, Save the Storks. We're going to donate all of our proceeds from our promo code to Save the Storks. All right, so we're not going to make any money off of this whatsoever. So if you want to raise money for a fantastic pro-life organization, but also get the message out uh, with with a fantastic film, uh, go to cunplanned.com and use my name, Steve, as a promo code, or you can go to the post that's pinned right at the top of my Facebook page. And joining us now for Pop Culture Tuesday, when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism, are the two filmmakers behind the movie Unplanned. Carrie Solomon, Chuck Kotzelman, join us now. It's good to have you both with us, gentlemen, here on The Blaze. How are you? Thank you, sir. Very good, Steve. Yourself? I could be a little better, but I could be a lot worse. You know how it goes. All right. So I want to go back now. The, the film, it's been about four and a half months since its theatrical release. And, yep. you know, we, you and I, we, we talked numerous times prior to its release about what you hoped it would, the impact it would have, the expectations that you had. And now that you're, you know, looking at, uh, you guys have expanded to this to numerous countries around the world and, and foreign markets, the on-demand DVD releases today. Can you share with our audience sort of, uh, you know, what, what fruit have you seen as a result of taking on this project? Uh, I just think it's overwhelming. Uh, the fruit, it, it, it the the cup overfloweth uh we have got abortion workers in mass uh almost every day abortion workers leaving the abortion industry we've got pro-choicers uh by in droves literally becoming pro-life and we've got uh post-abortive women and men that were involved in forcing their girlfriend or their wives or whoever to go get an abortion, finding redemption, hope, forgiveness, and basically coming up to us and saying, or sending us an email or a phone and saying, uh, for the first time in 30, 40, 50 years, I'm free. And that, and, and it's an amazing thing, but it's in the thousands and tens of thousands. And now we're all around the world. We're finding out there is an absolute hunger in the world to end abortion. I mean, these countries are going crazy. Every country on the face of the earth is reaching out to us and saying, you got to come to my country. Last night we had our premiere in the Philippines, and they went, they went insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, abortion is an issue that crosses every line, uh, every race, every color. It doesn't matter. Babies are being killed everywhere. And good people that inside know in their spirit that it's wrong are rebelling. And... Uh, you know, it's just an amazing, I've never seen anything like it. I think the genius of the film is is twofold. One, you guys went there. Um, you know, I love the way that it begins. Uh, and... And 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 it begins in. A, I remember the first time I saw the first you know edit of the film that you guys showed me, and 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 it begins and you know she's kissing her family, Abby Johnson, uh, and and I'm like, oh no, no, this is like another Christian movie. Please, no, please. And I'm like dying inside those first five minutes, guys. I'm like crap. All right, then she gets to work. 
All right. And 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 then that's then then you see the genius of what you guys do there in that you do kind of lure people in that this is another Pleasant Valley Sunday story before uh, you you ha- you're forced to pay attention uh, to what lies behind the curtain. And I think that is the genius of what you guys did here. And then I think your target audience. Uh, to me, I, I think your target audience are people who, you know, there's there's pro-lifers and then there's pro-aborts. But there's a lot of people who call themselves pro-choice, who think that this is kind of bad. They couldn't see themselves doing it, or maybe they did it when they were younger and they feel bad. And now they kind of feel like they shouldn't tell somebody else what they can do, or they still are uncomfortable, kind of, I don't want to impose my will on someone else. But they've never truly been confronted with what it is that they actually did many years ago, or that they're willing to let be done now. And I think that's where you can... Can reach hearts and minds. I don't think there's a lot of pro-aborts, but I do think there's a lot of people who are pro-choice, and I, I kind of see them as the target audience to this movie. That's right. The, the mushy middle, and there's both the, the, the pro-life mushy middle and there's the pro-choice mushy middle. So the pro-choice mushy middle, it, it tends to be, you know, one in three to one in four of the women we go to church with on a, on a, a given Sunday are sitting in the pews with unresolved post-abortive issues. And they have grief, they have shame, they don't talk about this stuff, and they, for the most part, they haven't found healing. So it's for them. And then the other half is that those who are kind of pro-life in their hearts, but they, they're afraid to talk about it, they're afraid to do anything about it. We had a great article written a couple of weeks ago because our Canadian release was stalled because the distributors and exhibitors up there wouldn't take us, but we did get into Canada. And there was a woman who wrote a beautiful article and she said, today I took my daughters to an abortion clinic. And her daughters were five years old and eight years old. And she did it the night, the morning after she saw the film. She said, I've always been pro-life, but I don't talk about it. I didn't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. But I realized I had to take my daughters here and explain to them that in Canada, in our country, it's okay to believe that what you're carrying inside you is a baby. It's okay to believe it, that they have a right to live. That this is the world upside down stuff. It's okay to believe that you shouldn't go do this. And on the way there, they stopped and they pick up three flowers, one for the mom, one for each of the little girls. And one of the little girls asked, Mommy, are we going to a cemetery? And she said, yes, sweetie, we are. And this was the teachable moment for those kids as young as they were because she said, my daughter's eight. She's only two or three years old away from being able to go to an abortion clinic without my permission and exterminate a child. And I I realized I have to act. Mm. Mm. For those who missed the theatrical release when it came out, tell them why they want to take advantage of the on-demand and DVD release today. What what is this? What, what is the the impactful potential of this movie that you guys have have witnessed since its release several months ago? Well, what this is is this is a place for a lot. I think a lot of post-abortive women shied away from it. They didn't. They were afraid of being triggered. They were afraid of you know confronting harsh memories in the theater. I think now they have a chance to do it in their own home. And I think the other thing is, this is the movie for every parent of a teenage child, father, mother, doesn't matter. This is the R-rated movie you have to watch with your kids. You have to sit down, you watch it with them, and then you have the conversation. And, and for a lot of good Christian believers who are afraid of, you know, this, well, this is an R-rated movie, Planned Parenthood desperately hopes you don't have the courage to watch this movie with your child. Because they know that if you don't watch it with your child, then they stand a good chance of winding up in their clinics. Abby Johnson, when she was the director of Planned Parenthood Clinic, said 70% plus of her clients self-identified as Christian. 
Mm-hmm. And she said, I had women, I had women reading scripture, reading the word of God in the waiting room, waiting for their names to be called to go into the procedure chamber. I had other women, half young women, half naked in their Johnny's climbing up on the table, fingering rosary beads, begging God for forgiveness for a sin they hadn't committed yet, which is, which is totally, there are many unusual things about abortion. One of them is that's the only sin that people try to repent of before they've even committed it because they know in their hearts it's a terrible thing. Uh, this is how to go confront this issue. I also think uh, that people have to come to the realization that media creates culture, affects culture, changes culture. There is no doubt about that. Social media included in the media of film and TV. Uh, the culture is designed through the media for better or for worse. And this is the greatest tool for us now. I've constantly said, Chuck and I both said, if Peter and Paul and John and James were here today, they wouldn't go door to door preaching the gospel. What they would do is they would make a movie. You can reach 100 million, a billion people. And I think the problem is that people have to realize when they see this movie, it's kind of like in World War II, uh, you know, no one knew about the concentration camps. And then two Jewish men escaped from one of the camps and came back and uh, came back to the West and, uh, and said, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And literally, person by person, they tried to begin pr- telling people what's going on until people finally got it. Well, we're in a concentration camp in the whole world. The whole world is in this concentration camp of political correctness where a group decides what is right and wrong, which is always morally, uh, it's always morally wrong. And then they don't, and they sell this to the whole human race. You see this movie, and you suddenly realize this is a divine mercy. God is saying, "Look, I know you know you've been sold, uh, you've been sold lies. Take a look at this. If you see this at the end of this movie, you cannot say that 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 that's not a baby that they're murdering." Then you can make your choice. And if you choose that you still want to abort that child, that's between you and God. But I think this is revolutionary in the sense that for the first time on this issue in 50 years, somebody has told the truth. We are telling the truth. We didn't bias this. We didn't politically propagandize this. We told the story of a real-life woman and her story. This is Erin Brockovich for abortion. Mm. And this is the counterbalance. You know, We recently got interviewed by a New York Times reporter and she was talking about a, a, a kind of mini seminar that took place at one of the big Hollywood agencies at CAA. Somehow in her article, she forgot to mention that the person delivering the seminar was a representative for Planned Parenthood. Uh, so, uh, you know, they were paid rep. And uh, it was all about getting the talent agency, which is what controls, you know, the talent, what gets paid here in Hollywood, the actors, the directors and so forth to do more stories on abortion. And I can assure you that they're not looking to do them from the standpoint of a Christian worldview. I also just want to say one more thing. I know we're short on time, but I think that by seeing this movie, not only do you find out the truth and see the truth and learn the truth, but I think people are going to feel obligated to tell other people the truth. I'll tell you why. Let me read something to you really quickly, which was given to us. Uh, it was a comment in the trade magazine out here, Variety, Variety, which is totally left. No one who reads that is anywhere on the right. And this is from one of the women that saw the movie on the first night. So I was not part of the choir by any means, but it challenged my thinking entirely. I've heard all the arguments and I've heard all the logical rebuttals, but to actually see it, it just made it indefensible and it cut the legs out from under me. Any intellectually honest pro-choicer should be willing 
to test their beliefs and some lame Christian film wouldn't be a threat, I told myself. But damn it, all my best talking points dissolved in the light of this portrayal. It doesn't even attempt to make Planned Parenthood work as villains. I'm at a loss because this was fundamental to my belief system and now I find it insupportable. As a woman, I cannot ever again claim to be pro-woman and stand in favor of abortion. I'm out. That's the effect that a movie can have. And when somebody sees it, you can go and give another copy to someone else and so on, spread the word. That's how we end abortion. That's how you change culture. That's why the media and what you do and what we do and what social media does and all these things, that's that's what changes the world. As, as associate, the late associate of the justice of the Supreme Court, Antonin Scalia, told one of our marketing guys a couple of years before he died, he said, things get decided in Hollywood. They only come to us for ratification. And so this is one of the few at-bats that we get for our side. Well, you guys stepped up to the plate uh, and swung for the fences with this. No question about it. So if, if folks, if you missed it in its theatrical release or if you saw it and, and were impacted by it and you want to share it with as many people as you possibly can, go to this website. Seeunplanned.com is the website. Seeunplanned, all one word. Seeunplanned.com. If you use my name, Steve, as a promo code, you can get a discount on any option you choose. If you choose to go DVD, Blu-ray, uh, or any of the various streaming options, all right? Seeunplanned.com, promo code Steve for a discounted price. And all of our proceeds from that promo code, we're going to donate to a fantastic national pro-life ministry called Save the Storks. And here's what I like about Save the Storks, is that they're trying to meet women with unplanned pregnancies right there out on the street where they're at in real life. Women that, like my mom was when she was 14 years old and finds out as a high school freshman over Christmas break that she's pregnant from her high school senior boyfriend. And, and then Roe versus Wade happens about six weeks later, and she's got a decision to make about whether or not to, uh, to, to abort or not. So women in those situations, women who aren't statistics, um, who aren't political leverage or talking points or fundraising letters, but are actual people with souls who are scared um, and are caring eternal beings uh, in their own wombs and wondering, can I handle this? Am I alone? Can I bear this responsibility alone? And that's what I love about Save the Storks is they are there, right there with those women. So I'm gonna, we're going to donate all of our proceeds from using that promo code to Save the Storks. We're not going to make any money off of this whatsoever. All right, But this film does need to make some money uh, so that there will be more films like it. So people will recognize these are investments worthy of making. These are stories worthy of telling. All right. So seeunplanned.com, seeunplanned.com and use the promo code Steve. Or if you're on our Facebook page, it's the pinned post right there at the top of the page. Chuck Kotzelman, Carrie Solomon, my friends, it's good to see you guys as always. Um, it's, it's incredibly impactful. The film that you put together, having visited the set for a couple of days when you're in the middle of filming it, I know that you guys were constantly struggling with how brutally honest to be, how how much brutal honesty and truth can it can can the people ultimately take? I was with uh, with with one of your fellow producers, Chris Jones, the night you guys found out about the R rating, and he had this sour look on his face, and I was like ecstatic. I was like, "That's like the best endorsement you could have asked for." That's like the devil saying, "Yeah, this one really hits home." Yeah, we don't want anybody seeing this thing. All right, well. If you didn't want to go see it because of the rated R at the theater, or if it wasn't in your theater in your town long enough, now's your chance at seeunplanned.com. Gentlemen, we will do this again very soon. God bless both of you, and uh, and just tremendous congratulations on the work that you did for the cause. 
Thank you, Steve. God bless you as well. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Cunplanned.com again. And you can get a copy of this. Uh, Encourage others to do the same. Cunplanned.com. I saw that it was trending number one in the DVD, in the video section uh, on iTunes. Actually, Ashley Bratcher, the actress who plays Abby Johnson in the film, uh, tweeted this out yesterday. And I saw it it was trending number one on iTunes, even though there's been like no advanced marketing or anything for this. And remember, when they tried to release the movie, a lot of these media outlets wouldn't take the money uh, to promote the film either, okay? So all of its success is because of word of mouth and acts of God, okay? So seeunplanned.com is the website. Promo code Steve is how you can get your discounted film uh, and then also help us at the same time uh, to raise some money for Save the Storks. Gentlemen, have any thoughts? I love the bottom line of their testimony. It, it to sum it up, you know, ours is to be faithful. Outcomes are for God. I mean, they they did not know that uh, making this film was going to lead uh, specifically to that uh, column in uh, Variety. But you make it nonetheless, and you trust in a great and glorious God who has done unbelievable works throughout history to do the same in this moment, in this time, because you just did what you were called to do. Amen. Whatever that costs to make that film, if you offered it to Variety to run that column, they wouldn't take the money. Mm-hmm. So if you invested in this movie to make that movie, the value value of that column is your ROI yeah. right there. We'll come back with hour number two next. And we're back with our number two uh, here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, 888-933-93 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, and the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. By the way, if you are listening to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind taking a a busy memento uh, out of your busy schedule and leaving us a a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choice, we've had thousands of you do this for us already. Thank you to each and every one of you, because the more of those we get, the more the algorithms uh, shine uh, upon the, and then the more they help us to find more people like you, and then the more likely we are to Uh, get to continue to do this for a living. You know, it's the whole circle of life thing and you're doing your part here in the Steve Day Show ecosystem. So leave us a five-star review. Now you might be thinking, we don't really like your show here. Well then, A, why listen? Like unless you're working at Think Progress or somebody, you're you're mining for content to troll. I mean, life is too short to listen to stuff that annoys you on, on a regular basis, okay? But if that's you, don't lie. Now, if you do like us though, embellish all the more, please. All right, so keep those five-star reviews coming. And the conversation we just had, gentlemen, with uh, Chuck Kotzelman and Carrie Solomon about the digital release of Unplanned. And again, seeunplanned.com is the website. Uh, It's the post that's pinned on my Facebook page. If you use the promo code Steve at that link, you'll get a discount uh, for whatever option, the Blu-ray, the DVD, uh, the streaming version, et cetera. Seeunplanned.com, promo code Steve. But, but this is why we talk so much about popular culture on this show, why, why they made the movie that they made, because everything they're saying about what is really the most influential platform in America today. Well, in previous eras, it might have been um, the dinner table. It might have been the sanctuary or the pulpit. It might have even been the classroom. 
But in this day and age, the most overwhelmingly influential arena is popular culture. And there's just no way, I don't, I don't care how fundy you get, you can get as fundy as you want to be. You can be the two live crew of fundyism, just in reverse, all right? You're, you're, where you're taking your, your kids to a vacation, as the Babylon Bee pointed out the other day, to Hoover Darn. So you don't say damn out loud. I mean, you can I mean, go the whole gambit. Doilies on the females' heads, denim skirts. Get your corn cornmeal grind on. You are not going to be able to completely insulate the next generation from pop culture. It's just, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's omnipresent, particularly with the technology we have today. So if, if that's going to be the case, it would only seem to make sense, therefore, that we would seek, you know, there's, there's no law that says that platform can only be used to tell bad stories. And in fact, as my buddy Ted Barrett, Movie Guide, points out every year when he puts out his box office report, every year, when you look at the films that dominate the box office, what films do better? The ones that actually articulate many of the values and themes that we as conservatives champion. Always tend to outperform the ones that do not. So what that tells us is there's a baseline market for our content. And anybody that's ever done any marketing or any selling will tell you, it's always easier to upsell people than originally sell them. The culture is telling you that they're willing, if we can, if it's entertaining, now here's the thing, that's the key, it's got to be good. It has to be good. Is it a good movie? When I, when I first launched out on my own into syndication, I used to go to all these trade shows and I'd run into program directors and people who own radio stations, you know, independently around the country, chains of them. And they'd, they'd listen to the demo and like the show. And I'd get this question all the time, though. Are you a, a Christian show or a conservative show? I, I can't really tell whether to put you on my Christian station, see that as the ones that draw flies and no one listens to, or to put you on my mainstream talk station. What are you? And I would always respond with, is it a good show? Well, yeah, then, then that's all that matters. Is it a good show? If it's a good show, then, you know, if you think it, I'd put it on the stations where it has the chance to attract the largest audience, if it's good. Is it a good show? This is a very good movie. You can do a powerful pro-life testimony without making a good movie. That would be called a documentary, Okay. But this is quality storytelling. And the fact that it doesn't fall for any of the tropes. And, and here's what I love about Unplanned, the more than anything else. It lets the lion out of its cage. The truth is its own reward. It, it doesn't have to, it feels no compulsion to either water it down or propagandize it at the exact same time. Everybody is depicted as they actually are. Everybody regardless of which side of the fence in this debate they're on, everyone is just depicted as they actually are, for better or for worse. There's no trolling, no straw men, no constructs. Everybody is as they are. There's a line that attributed to Pope John Paul II when Mel Gibson was trying to drum up support when he couldn't get a major studio. And at the time, he was one of the biggest stars in the world. And he couldn't get a major studio to, uh, to release the passion of the Christ. So he had to develop his own 
iconic, I think it's icon or iconic pictures, uh, and it, his own developmental or his own distribution deal to get it in theaters around the country and then around the world. But to do that, though, he had to create a pre-market sentiment. He had to show that there was a market for this film, for theater chains to agree to take it on. So he was taken around all over the country to evangelical leaders, took it all over the world, took it to the Vatican to show it to Pope John Paul II. And after the Pope saw the film, he was, quote, he was quoted one line about the passion. I am right. He was still the Pope back then, like in 03, right? It was, oh. it was Benedict in charge by then. Because yeah. you're giving me a look like maybe my timeline is off. No, oh, oh, oh we're right on the, right on the cusp. Cusp. I just okay. don't remember exactly. Okay. And there's a line attributed to Pope John Paul II where he says, it is as it was. That was his one line review of Mel Gibson's masterpiece. It is as it was. And I think that's attributed to this film. It, it, is, it is what the abortion issue and debate is. That's what this movie is. Nothing's dressed up. Nothing's watered down. Nothing's blown out of proportion. Nothing is hidden from you. Everyone who watches this, like the woman that they quoted from the Variety piece, is forced to come to grips with what this really is on both sides. That the women who are driving into those Planned Parenthood lots aren't constructs or statistics. Sometimes they're terrible people, like the scene where the woman, her, 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 her parents are begging her not to do this and she does it anyway. But for every woman like that who just has no remorse, most of them are scared out of their minds about this. And we need to remember they're actual people. They're Imago days, just like the rest of us are. But we also have to remember, too, the bloodlust that is behind pushing this option on these women at the exact same time. And that's the genius of this film. It is what it is. That's, this is what the issue is. This is what the procedure is, and you're going to see it. And you're going to see what the women are like when they go into the waiting area after they go through with it. You're going to see that all the propaganda, they're not in there in, in an hour and gone. Like nothing ever happened. Nope. That's why the tagline is, what, you, what she saw changes everything. You will never, this movie does not permit you to see this debate in a purely philosophical or political or vapid, vapid sense ever again. So cnplan.com, that's the website, cnplan.com. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code, and you'll get a discount uh, on whichever option you choose. Yeah, and I just want to add something real quick here, relating back to our first segment conversation about adopting the uh, motivations of the left. See, See the difference between this and what Chuck and Kerry did with Unplanned. If you want to know how to beat the left, you don't become like them. All right, what did they think of the worst stereotype of Hollywood blockbuster schlock and nihilism and just debauchery? I mean, I uh, think maybe Wolf of Wall Street or something like that. Did, did Chuck and Carrie do a Christian version of the Wolf of Wall Street? No, they just did a good movie. And then they, and then they, they, they used that as a vehicle, a good movie, to communicate a message. They didn't adopt or try to become like what they're trying to defeat to be successful. Instead, they just did something well. 
and used that as a as a vehicle to carry their message. So I think it was kind of serendipitous and a little bit timing where we had the story about, hey, we're, uh, you know, we're just acting like the left now when we're trying to fight them. And uh, in this interview with Chuck and Carrie, I think it's really a portrait of the uh, of the way uh, you truly fight your opponent in this in this culture and the way not to, which is what we talked about in segment one. Amen. Well said. Let's get to fake news or not uh, brought to you by Riduzone, which wants to see if it's the missing link and why you've been losing your battle with your bulge. You've been working hard. You're going to the gym. You're a Hulkamaniac, man. You're saying your prayers, you're eating your vitamins, right? But it's just, yeah, you've, you kind of maxed out. You're not seeing the progress you had hoped for. Well, it, it could be, you know, in the end, it's, it's, unless you've got a food allergy, it's not what you're eating. It's how much. It's almost always how much, right? You know, typically, who do you see drinking Diet Cokes more often? Overweight people or skinny people? Most of the, most of the time, overweight people drink it more than skinny people. See, we don't get overweight because we drank a Coke, folks. You get overweight because you drank nine, okay? I'm, I've, I've been on both sides of this. I've been really skinny. I've been really fat. Now I'm kind of somewhere in between. So I've, I've seen this from every vantage point. And here's, here's, here's what I've learned. Drinking a sugary drink does not make you fat. Drinking five of them that are all 60 ounces every single day does. <laughs> All right. And this is where Riduzone comes in. Okay. All Riduzone is, is it's OEA. It's the signal that goes from the gut to the brain that lets the brain know when the gut is full. So you stop eating. It helps with your portion, your sizes, your, your craving control. That's all it does. You turn over the bottle. When you get, when you get one, you're not going to see a whole bunch of ingredients you can't pronounce. You're only going to see three ingredients. And the overwhelmingly main one is OEA. It's just about that signal. It's not loaded with caffeine, stimulants. It doesn't do anything, but help the gut to send the signal to the brain. We're full. We can stop eating. If you want to give it a shot, use my name, Steve, as a promo code. They'll give you a special offer when you go to their website at riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. All right, gentlemen, fake news or not, we've got a collection chosen by moi. Of clips, again, we're not monitoring the, the left America's media. We're not, we're not interested in fact-checking the enemy. We're fact-checking those uh, who claim to be the platforms, the personas, the pundits, and politicians. Did you like all that alliteration? That was pretty good. Four Ps in a row. Uh, we're we're fact-checking those folks who claim to be talking to you, representing you, bringing you the truth. Are they? Are they bringing you the fake news or not? Let's begin with this very first clip. Is this totally misplaced outrage? Watch. What do you make of them pulling this? What does it say about the movie and about the tenor in some of these green light meetings? Well, I would say we can chalk a victory up for the outrage mob, uh, this time on the right. They won in this case. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, I was on America's Newsroom last week, and I said pausing the promotions for the movie in the immediate aftermath of the mass shootings, I thought, made sense. But yanking the entire film because people got angry and the president tweeted about it, I'm not someone who believes that we should go the direction of censorship. Also, to my Trump-supporting friends, if you watch the trailer, it is very obvious that the good guys are the deplorables who have been drugged and kidnapped and are being hunted by left-wing elitists. So that's Guy Benson, Fox News contributor, saying that the outrage over this movie, The Hunt, uh, was, was totally misplaced, total garbage, and Universal should not 
have outright canceled the release of the film. Fake news or not, Todd? Uh, that is uh, from Guy... It is not... Guy, Guy Benson is partially fake news. And here's what we were talking about last week about uh, how we have to think about the world as it is versus what we aspire it to be. Uh, listen, I... I the more I learn about what the movie is, who's who it was trying to frame as the you know I I think it it does it it does seem like this is somebody who may intentionally accidentally I don't know like you said with the movie um, Get Out mm-hmm. you know do they know what they're doing uh, um, I am confident Jordan Peele knows what he's doing okay yeah. well in these case do these guys know what they were doing I, um, and is, I, are, we've never seen a movie where the trailer was a bait and switch right right. So I get Guy Benson's like, do we, do we, and we just got to talk, do we want to become what they become just to, if we don't like the message sure. or do we overreact? I get that. But here, here's the deal. We, we are living in times where people are hanging on by a very, very thin thread. Do I think regardless of who won by protesting, is it a great idea that this is a movie that is being made? I, I think that's a grown-up question to be asking. So I, I, I think this is a, a binary. We're in binary choice territory. This isn't an either or. This is this is a both. Uh, this is a both and. Um, and maybe that makes me a snowflake on this one. But I can't go all the way um, in either direction. But I can't be. I'm calling it fake news because I can't agree in the entirety with Guy Benson's analysis. Aaron, your thoughts. Uh, first of all, do we know for sure where the outrage was coming from? Do we know that? I don't. I don't think we do. Uh, second of all, has anybody who's commenting on this actually seen the movie? The answer to that is no. Uh, thirdly, is Guy Benson correct at the with the assertion that once you've seen the trailer, it appears that the deplorables are the good guys? That is that is actually true. But then when you see that this film is actually supposed to be satire. I'm a little bit more skeptical that what's presented in the trailer yes. is is actually what this movie is going to be like. Yeah. So there's because of these, I, I don't know how anyone would actually deduce what is fake news and what is not with this story, because of especially because of those first two factors. We don't know. We haven't seen the movie, and we don't know who the outrage mob was in this circumstance. At least I, I didn't as well. Uh, the premise of the movie is definitely very controversial. But I don't know how you would, and I know this. This, um, I this totally sounds like a cop out. But I, I don't think anybody's ever used this. But it, the name of the segment is fake news or not. I'm going with the or on this one. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, I in general, I like bringing most of what people really think out into the open and having a fair fight. I, I, in general, I, it doesn't mean we shouldn't have any standards of decency, but as a general rule, the world system operates better when, when it's not a requirement any longer to be truly honest about what you believe. I mean, that's the whole point of speech codes, safe spaces, mm-hmm. political correctness, okay? And then to make you feel like if you still have these beliefs, there must be something wrong with you and you're alone. No one else is like you, Right. Because as someone who follows the movie industry very closely and, and, and what tracks and is successful very closely, I'm fairly confident that until this controversy, three people would have seen this movie when it came out. Three. 
And now after the controversy in a Trump tweet, 10. Okay. And if it's exactly what, what the outrage mob on the right, uh, as Guy Benson alluded to, if it, if it is what they think, the real owning then would be to put the movie out and watch it flop and point out again, there's no market for your crap. That's why you have to compel us to read your stuff and watch it. That's why you need subsidies and government programs. People don't want to be, don't want to take part in this. The market has decided yet again, I'd rather win that battle. I'd rather beat them in the marketplace of ideas. That's kind of where I, this like, where I, where I, where I tend to come down as a default. It's, it's not an automatic, but it's right. a default. And that's where a lot of me is. But again, in this world where increasingly you cannot rely on your your fellow man's common sense or anything I like that. I mean, I you. you really have yep. to think about what uh, is what other framework do I have to be every bit as honest about is my hope that what you're saying is true. I mean, really, market. It, it's a default that our whole lives growing up, we're like, uh, let, you know, the invisible hand, let the market forces figure it out. Um, that we might be just drifting into a world where that's not a default we can simply rely upon. And in fact, I agree. Dark forces are relying on us to rely on that. I agree. And that, so I don't know. I know. I know. That's why I said it's a, this, yeah. that position would have been like an automatic for me like five years ago. Oh, me too. Now sure. it's a default that I'm willing to negotiate on a case yeah. by case basis. Let's get to the second clip. I'm still supportive because those Chinese have been screwing us for years and years, and it, it'll get straightened out, I'm certain. We're in a hole right now, but I think things, if they go as they are, will get evened out. If we stay with what he says right now, will work. No battle is over in a minute. If it is, it wasn't worth fighting. No, they'll, they'll get it worked out, and I think, you know, what's going on right now is we're just trying to stand our ground, and... Uh, I think, I think, you know, the president's very smart to do that because, I mean, we're not just going to roll over, you know, like they'd like us to. So, you guys buying, there are pro, now the first farmer was an Illinois farmer, not an Iowa farmer. I mean, that, that's a state Trump's already lost five times before the 2020 election, all right? So, with all due respect to that fine gentleman, his opinion here is kind of irrelevant because he could come back and vote a couple thousand times and uh, Trump's not winning that state, all right? But the other three farmers were Iowa farmers, so they're willing to see the tariff war out. Now, we had an election last November, right? Because we heard, we heard this from a lot of Iowa farmers in these clips last year, too. And we heard this last November, and the Republicans lost every, you know, uh, swing seat. Then we only have, what, four congressional districts in Iowa. There were two that, that were kind of considered competitive, and they lost them both with a Republican incumbent in the race. All right, they lost them both. So... Maybe you guys, is it fake news or not? Pro tariff Iowa farmers. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, this is not fake news. I, I think this is real news uh, that a lot of farmers are pro tariff. And I, I sp say, I put, I put this out there. Um, put yourself in the shoes of a farmer. Yes, uh, soybeans and hogs. Those prices. Have you guys? Have you guys tried to tried to? Uh, tried to buy pork for a while, just pork chops or something. I used to get that all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just me, but the prices, I mean, it's when I can get beef for just as much as I am for pork, I'm always going to go with beef, but that's another aside. If you're a farmer and you've got, and you've, for most of the time, um, throughout your career farming, the government in some way, shape, or form basically guarantees, or if you have insurance, you're basically guaranteed a return 
on whatever crops you're doing or whatever crops you're, you're harvesting. And you've been promised all of this tariff relief money. I can't remember what the proper term uh, was, but you're, you've been promised all of these billions of dollars um, to help ease the, 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 the tariff, uh, it, you know, the, the cost that the tariffs are, are impacting you with. Why would you, why would you back down now? And why would you, uh, why would you uh, back away now? I, I, don't, I don't understand that, especially if to some degree you do kind of have uh, some security, at least with that money in the short haul. So I think that this is not true news or not fake news. I think this is true news. And um, yeah, I think there are, are quite a few pro-tariff farmers. We'll see if that remains the case come harvest time. But that's what I think for now. I agree. Uh, you're part of a system in Iowa. You know, you don't just say, hey, I want to I want to be a farmer and I want to be a beet farmer. No. You know, you're in Iowa, you're growing corn or soybeans. You you are part of this animal that in so many ways is not, uh, I mean, you, talk about, you know, ancient pagan religions. Try being an Iowa farmer. Just how, that, what you have to hitch your wagon to uh, in terms of uh, survival. And yeah, I think a lot of guys just see this as anything to break this up. So I feel, I mean, I think a lot of them love being farmers, but they also feel like I think on a lot of days that they are just a cog in a machine and they would like to take some control back. And this feels like they might not in each particular case, understand all the bells and whistles. I know I don't in terms of all of this, but I I do think that's real and authentic. Okay. Obvious follow-up question then is where were all these people last November? when Republicans got annihilated in the state of Iowa, except for the Republican governor. She survived statewide, but everywhere else, it was a terrible election night for Iowa Republicans, and the Republicans lost two House seats uh, as well. Where were they? There's a lot more suburban women than there are farmers. So the answer then is this really isn't as prevalent of a voting block as we in the media make it out to be, which I think is likely true. Oh, heck no. Which I think is likely true. Is that is is that where we're at? Yeah, but there are also those people aren't named Donald Trump. He's just he's this this guy who does things, and they see it. I mean, those Republican uh, he wasn't on the ballot last time. Oh yes, he was. Not for these guys. Yeah, but that's well. That's what, I mean. That's just a, that's, about, a, that's a problem, then, isn't it? Oh yeah, I, yeah. I'm just, yeah, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, know, I mean, I know what you're saying. He, he factually wasn't. But he effectively was, and a, and a president in a midterm election effectively always is. But I hear what you're saying. All right, all right next clip. I want to know, are you guys buying this? Watch this. So I want to bring in, though, introduce to you the Miller family, because you said, hey, Jason, I hope you're doing well, my friend. Jason Johnson, uh, I was with the Cruz campaign, and I found two uh, I found two Cruz caucus goers back in 2016. But before I even introduce myself to Kate, Taylor, and Paul, I was finding where you were putting your corn kernel. There's a, essentially every fair goer, Kendis, gets a kernel, and you get to pick which candidate you like the best. And you put your kernel in for? Uh, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. You're looking at a Democrat this go around. Why? Tell me how you view yourself politically and why you went with Kamala Harris. And what do you want? Well, I'm a lifelong conservative. Um, I, I actually campaigned door-to-door for Chuck Grassley his first year as a Senate campaign, uh, uh, Senate candidate. Um, but I cannot vote for Donald Trump. I just he is he is not a conservative, and I don't think he's a good man. And when you watch um, a cabinet member after cabinet member fall away from him, I just can't vote for him. 
So let me say this. I know this reporter, Bon Hilliard, fairly well. I actually have had lots of dealings with him over the year. He mentioned over the years mentioned he covered the cruise campaign, for example. Um, uh, you know, I, I can't vouch for all of his work, but I can tell you in all of my dealings with him, I've always been quoted uh, accurately and never taken out of context, which is why I still return his calls because you guys know what my rule is. It's the Johnny Dangerously rule. I'll talk to anybody until you screw me over once. And then it's like, you know, you, you don't, your, your name's, you know, written out of the, the, the book of life. <laughs> all right. So are you buying that? Aaron, you buying that? Nope. You're not. You think that's fake news? I think that's uh, completely fake news. I, I don't know if Von Hilliard is fake news, but I think that that woman is total fake news. And I only brought up my past with Von Hilliard because it's not. it would not be like him to, from my experience, to mine for a construct, okay? Yeah. You know, meaning that he wouldn't just, I, I'm not saying he would never do it, but I have a history with him to, that would show me he would not just immediately throw a phony up there. I just okay? have a hard time believing that uh, a cruise caucus goer, somebody who describes herself as a lifelong conservative, uh, decides orange man bad, so therefore let me elect a communist or vote for a communist. Do you guys have a problem with that? I mean, we are a bunch well, of. I double, do, but I've seen a lot of. We, it we've the last we've few got years. a lot of a lot of double-minded people, um, but that doesn't make it any less fake. Uh, it is fake news, whether or not she's telling the truth. It's still fake news. You're not a conservative lady. You're not All right. Well, that part's true. If that's what we're voting on, yeah. But I'm voting on the legitimacy of this one woman saying she did. Yeah, I totally believe it. I listen to those crazy. Yeah. Listen to the crazy voices in your head. We just got done talking. I mean, this is what I. <laughs> I said about the how the the world is changing. You got to test your paradigms. The conversation we had yesterday mm-hmm. versus Epstein and conspiracy theories. Well, yeah, that's all possible because people like her exist. They're legion. They do think like this. So you think that is that's absolutely real news? Yeah. You think it's far more likely that was an actual cruise caucus goer that that went from get uh, I, I was voting against Obamacare and getting the yeah. government completely out of my health care in a caucus to now I have to vote for Medicare for all in the yeah. next one. Yeah. Pro-life for, from the candidate who was pro-life with no exceptions to uh, uh, kill them all. Body, we're count, it, it's really about the body count now. Yeah. Yeah. And you, it mostly spurs from, I think, she... You know what? She, I think you're right. She hates Donald Trump. I think... And I get it, but that will make you do crazy things. As, as will adoration, you know, come... Come let us adore him will make you do crazy things as well. And and I think you're right. I think it's far more likely there are this many people that um, can be tossed this to and fro than not. Because how do you explain the things we put up with and permit as a society right. on a daily basis? Right. That, right? Yeah. All right, we'll come back. We've got a couple of more clips for you guys to respond to for part one of Fake News or Not. And then I want to say something in a in a in a part do uh, as well. That's all coming up next right here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned. More and more wide swaths of the corporate sector are going from neutral uh, in the the battle uh, for the future of of America uh, to weaponizing against us. 
Now, sometimes we can't avoid doing business with those with whom uh, we're speaking because they just have such a monopoly and control on a particular service or market. But when the opportunity presents itself for us to, to do business with folks who are on the same side of this divide as us, we absolutely ought to take advantage of it. One of those places is your own mobile phone. It's really hard to live in America today without one. The vast majority of us have one, two, or three in our homes. Uh, now is the perfect time, therefore, uh, to make the switch to Patriot Mobile. You'll get all the same coverage you get from all of the other companies that are mobilizing against your belief system. But this time you're going to get it from folks who believe and think the same way you do. In fact, they put their money where their mouth is. They, they have donated $2 million out of their, about $2 million, uh, out of their own profits the last couple of years to various conservative uh, causes around the country. And they've got plans starting as low as $25 a month. So there's never been a better time to come on over to Patriot Mobile. In fact, when you go to PatriotMobile.com and use that as a promo code, come on over. PatriotMobile.com promo code, come on over. You'll get a free month of service on any plan you choose. PatriotMobile.com promo code, come on over for a free month on any plan you choose at Patriot Mobile. All right, gentlemen, let's continue with part one uh, of uh, this week's edition, two-part edition of Fake News or Not. I've got two more clips I want to get your reaction to. How about Hispanics for Trump? Watch this. Remember, what President Trump's trying to do on the border is all about the rule of law. I happen to think he's going to get 40 or 50 percent of the Hispanic vote in this country because they understand with what he's done with limiting illegal alien labor, it's made it's made uh, it's made jobs. They've got lowest unemployment in 50 years. They've got wages coming up, etc. And so I think they see the rule of law and the breaking of the cartels. You're going to start to see the Hispanic vote change. Steve Bannon, when was the last time he was on Fox News, by the way? I think, is that a sign he's, 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 you want to talk about a Fredo? I mean, is, is that a sign that, uh, that he's, that he's, that he's getting welcome back into the family? I, I don't know, but it, to put his numbers in a perspective, there's only been, since we started polling Hispanics as a demographic with the 1980 presidential election, that was the first time we started looking at them as a, as a, uh, a, a, a demographic force to be individually broken out since 1980. The only one Republican has gotten above, hit 40% with Hispanic voters. And that was George W. Bush in the year 2000 did that. Um, and it could be argued they might have provided, therefore, his margin of victory, particularly in a state like Florida. Now, one of the issues we also have with Hispanic voters, though, is it's only been in recent elections that we've started to break out Cuban Hispanics in Florida from Hispanics in other states. Okay. So, I mean, the average turnout for a Republican since 1980 with Hispanic voters is about 28%. So, Bannon is saying he thinks Trump could get 40 to 50% of Hispanic voters because of, of his stances for law and order. And he's done almost nothing to actually fulfill. I'm sorry, was this on? Did I sit? Th- that didn't come out of the air, did mm-hmm. it? What? Exactly. Fake news or not, Todd, what do you think? I'm not trying to be glib here, um, but I don't care if he's talking about Hispanic vote. 
uh, the purple vote, uh, whatever. Um, it's fake news because it's Steve Bannon and he's uh, talking. How about you sit this election out, Steve, okay? Because we had to sit around uh, thinking about whether or not you were going to be uh, Darth Vader or the puppet master who can control Trump. Uh, I am the Senate. You couldn't, you, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't any of those things and you were out within a matter of months and utterly irrelevant. Uh, you know, we, we needed a, a guy like you to actually be right about something very early on and you weren't, you just need to sit this out. So fake news. So you just won't even consider it because of the source. Yeah. He's, he was a okay. deep disappointment. All right. Keeping it real, yo. Aaron. Um, I actually have a little bit different, a little bit different take on this. I, I thought if you listened really uh, carefully at the end of, of that clip that we played, um, you could hear him stop talking. And I really thought that that was probably the best, the best part <laughs> of that clip because all of us stopped losing our collective brain cells. Um, because 40 to 50%, I mean, for the reasons that, that's fake news. If Donald Trump got 50% of the Hispanic vote, you'd, you'd be looking at, at the very least, an Obama 08 style of route, which is about the most sweeping route you can get in the current balkanized electoral college map. And But you you might even break through on that. You you might get to, well, you're not going to do Reagan 84, but maybe a George Herbert Walker Bush 88, which is kind of comparable it, well, to, a, to an Obama 08, here, actually. Yeah, and here's yeah. what I believe, regardless of what he says. Do I believe, again, for all the premises I've already established, and how you have to be willing and... To, and open to reevaluating a lot of things. Do I believe whether it's the Hispanic vote or the black vote or the women's vote or something we don't, there's going to be something that we cannot fully understand until we see it with our own eyes because the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore. I absolutely believe it. I just do not believe that this man is the one to have his finger on the pulse of any of it. Okay. One last clip. Here it is. Are you calling for a change at the top of the Republican ticket? Uh, well, I'm calling for it to be considered. Yes, I think you have to uh, consider a change at the top of the ticket when someone is acting like this, when someone is that uh, uh, lacks intellectual curiosity to, to take first. ideas from friends. Just to give you an example. Last week on this show, you asked me specifically, do I still support the president? I said that I did. I go on the Bill Maher show. I'm asked, do I still support the president? Yes, I do. However, the racially charged comments, the divisive tweeting, the nonsense coming from the president is not helping the country. And so if you're in a place in your mind where loyal people to you, and again, I was fired two years ago. He pointed that on Twitter. Big deal. Blah, blah. I do appreciate the president getting the 11 days right, though, by the way. So thank you, Mr. President. Uh, but, you know, he's he's out there doing things and you're trying to give him advice, but he can't listen to anybody. And if you say something that's one or two sentences off the mark of his support, and I would tell his loyalists, loyalty is not blind obedience unless you're supporting a demagogue. Okay? Anthony, and so you don't want to ever be like that in your life. What do you think? You, I think most of the audience probably heard you eagerly say, let me go first. So, Todd, you get to go first. If... 
if I had to say what I had to say after Bannon's 15 minutes of fame, think what I have to say about after his 15 nanoseconds on, Todd, of fame. Hold on, Todd. He only hires the best people. Good grief. And CNN. I mean, no one learns any lessons. That having this guy on to do this. I, the fakest of fake. There's no faker news. Everything about that. Unless he, unless he said all fake. that on Joe Scarborough's show. That could be faker news. Would we agree on that? If he had said all that to Joe Scarborough, that would be even faker news, right? Sure. I'll, I'll grant yeah, you that. I mean, I mean, Joe Scarborough, you know, worked to the bone. He was like Cinderella scrubbing floors to get Donald but, Trump elected yeah. president. But again, it's not, forget Donald, it's like I said, it doesn't matter about the Hispanics. Forget they were talking about Donald Trump. CNN plus Scaramucci talking about anything at all. Cure for cancer, fake news. Which cars they like? Fake news. The color blue, fake news. I didn't know who the guy was until Trump made him the White House I, communications director. I was Aaron. just going to say, I still don't know who he is. Yeah. I mean, I work in the media. You know, I've had a lot of political connections in my time. I, I didn't I didn't know who he was until Trump made him the White House community. In fact, the first time I heard his name is when he was given, he was given that position. So, Aaron, I, I guess we're taking it that you think that that is fake news. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, it takes the cake. I can't tell which is worse, Steve Amorosa? Bannon or there's that as well. Steve Didn't know Bannon what Amorosa or, was either. or uh, Scaramucci. Um, one of those two guys this week takes the takes the cake. The dumb, the dumb is starting to overwhelm me with this segment now. He only hires the best people, guys. Just remember that we only hire the best people around here. So let's get to part two of, of fake news or not this week. All right, it's this tweet from Elizabeth Warren. And she's not alone. There were several Democratic presidential candidates that went here. Uh, She tweeted back on August 9th, uh, five years ago today, Michael Brown was murdered by a white police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. Michael was unarmed, yet he was shot six times. I stand with activists and organizers who continue the fight for justice for Michael. We must confront systemic racism and police violence head on. None of that's true. In terms of the narrative that she's casting, there could be, there's a couple of basic facts in there. Yes, Michael Brown was shot six times. Now, I did a lot of MSNBC panels during this time period. And um, who's the guy, George Zimmerman, um, the kid in the hoodie that he shot? And what we've learned about George Zimmerman after the fact, it, he doesn't seem to be all that swell of a dude. No. So this was a time period that I did a, I, I, I did several MSNBC appearances. Oddly enough, I was never booked to discuss these issues, but I would always be on waiting for my segment that would come on after they discussed them. So I would listen to a lot of what, what their narratives were, and then we would come on and discuss usually another topic, Okay. But the entire narrative that Elizabeth Warren is selling you there um, is all fake news. Well, you know what? I don't. I can't say that. It's fake because I didn't do the investigating. And, and as we learned yesterday, as we discussed what happened with Jeffrey Epstein, I, I don't. I don't know. We can trust like anything. I, I. I don't know that. You know, I'm hesitant to give opinions. I, I mean, I, I had an opinion ready and loaded for the clip of Kamala Harris getting owned by an old lady in, in, in Iowa over Medicare for all. I had it ready to go based on because all I had seen in my Twitter feed before I went to bed last night, all I had seen in my Twitter feed was this old lady saying, "Hey, leave our health care alone." Right? That's all I saw. 
And then, so I had my, my take ready to go. Aaron puts the whole clip on in context. And I'm like, crap, man, I think she actually, given the situation she was in, kind of handled her business fairly well. I definitely don't want to say that, though. So I guess I'm not going to say anything. I, I, I don't know, you know, I, 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 it's almost like it's not safe to give opinions for you or analysis because I, I don't know how much I trust what we're being told on, by anybody on virtually any platform at any point. Okay? So... When I say Elizabeth Warren is dispensing fake news, I need to make sure I'm not fake news. According to the Obama Justice Department, I should say. According to the Obama Justice Department at the time helmed by Eric Holder. Does he strike you as a guy who's really out for racial reconciliation, Todd? No. No? No. Eric Holder strike you, Aaron, as, you know, out there trying to trying to buy Whitey a Coke? Not much. No? Well, he was the head of this Department of Justice that went headlong into what happened in Ferguson after the police officers were not found guilty of the murder of Michael Brown. They did a civil rights investigation and everything else. You know what happened? What she's articulating, she's not using the words because they've been debunked. But the narrative that she's selling you is the hands up, don't shoot narrative, right? That was the tagline of what happened to Michael Brown. Mm -hmm. That he came out, said, hands up, don't shoot, and the police opened fire and shot him six times, right? That was the narrative. Yes. Except none of that's true. That, the narrative's just not true. It's not. If the Obama Justice Department is telling the truth, they could have lied, I guess. You know, maybe they, I don't know, I, I, maybe they lied about this, but- the Obama Justice Department determined that Michael Brown never even said those words. And, and, and that was a meme. That would, those were T-shirts, trinkets. They were peddling wares that said, hands up, don't shoot. It was a hashtag trending worldwide. Only one problem, according to the Obama Justice Department. It never occurred. That entire narrative that she is selling is fake if the Obama Justice Department is to be believed. And if I was one of those police officers and, and I... And, and I didn't want to risk having the city of Ferguson, Missouri go up in flames once more. I'd sue her for, 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 for I can't remember which one is the written and which one is the verbal. Is slander the written? No, slander yeah. is the verbal. Yeah, slander is the verbal. So libel, libel is written. I'd sue her for libel. That's a libelous statement. And I've got the Justice Department of, the, of a former president of the United States, the, the, the previous one, not this one, backing me up on this. And, I mean, I, I don't, what do you do? What do you do when there's just a, a, a shameless level of, I don't care about what the truth is? What do you do? I mean, she could even put out that tweet and said, Michael Brown was killed six years ago today. It didn't have to happen. And then said everything else she wanted to say, right? Could she, could, would, could she have done that? Yeah. Would have been a partisan spin, but would have been a complete, a complete and total lie. No. She didn't have to totally lie to you. Or at the very least, contradict the Obama Justice Department. She chose to do so. And she wasn't alone. There were other candidates in the Democratic field that, that put out virtually the exact same thing after she did it. And 
you know, we love quoting our Lord of the Rings around here. And the line from King Theoden, what can men do against such reckless hate? What, what can people of truth do against such a reckless disregard for it? I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm trying to figure this out in real time while doing a show for you folks. And I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying there's not one. I'm just saying I, I haven't figured it out or discovered it yet. And that's, that's why I was so worked up yesterday. If we're at the point now that we're not even just going to lie for convenience. It, it's, it's not that I'm a liar, Bob, to paraphrase one of my favorite all-time movies, Office Space. It's not that I'm a liar, Bob. It's that I just don't care what the truth is. I mean, if we're going there now, if we're not just lying for convenience, but, but systemically... There's just, yeah, whatever. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And she's tapping into that with that. And a dangerous one at that. I mean, that's a community, by the way, with a lot of black-owned businesses. That, had one, that, that's, that, that community had one of the thriving black middle classes in the Midwest. That community went up in flames not once but twice with this narrative. That was false, according to the Obama Justice Department. What do you do with just such a, a reckless disregard for the truth? I, I don't know what you do with that. I don't. I, do you know? I know what she does with it. Yeah. She wins. This is, I, she, I mean, we're, we're in the Manchurian candidate here. I mean, she, her, her, if her... If this isn't just kind of like bumbling and accidental and riding a wave, she doesn't fully understand. If she has fully embraced the fact that I that I've, I've learned my lesson from the the beer thing, I this is what they want, and I'm going to give it to them. And it seems like she has because, and that's why it's a cart before a horse thing. Uh, uh, perhaps what you said about how the media is using her, the media wouldn't be using her if she had not signaled. If not flat out told them, this is exactly who I am unequivocally now. And when it comes to the progressive spirit of the age, that's a win. Resetting these, I mean, the whole, this is progressivism. That's in microcosm. It is one big angry fit of rage. It's all a grand lie that's turning reality on itself. She's perfecting it. I loved what, as far as what we do about this, our caller yesterday, I believe her name was Jolene, and I believe she was the one who said uh, revival and bust. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's what's going to happen. I hope. I hope the revival part especially. We're going to stick around, uh, do a little overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers, talk about the skyrocketing deficit. It's up 70%. Since 2016, if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, that's coming your way. If you're not, blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.